But God is good to all of us. He really is. And he has something special planned for today. And I'm excited about the fact that uh, we're here going through the book of Acts. I heard a long time ago that Christians ought to read the book of Acts at least once a month. If you want to grow in your faith, if you want to experience the good things of God, then take his word, open it up, and let God speak to you through his word, and he'll do amazing things. The book of Acts took about 33 years to go through, Uh, so you're reading 33 years of the early Christian church. Uh, Amazing things took place, and as you read it, you'll find your faith growing, You'll find that you'll be believing God more than what you've ever believed God for before because he is an amazing God and he does wonderful things. So we're in the midst of Acts chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there. Pastor Sal led us through the first half of the book last week and I have the challenge of leading us through the second half and they really go together. They can't be separated, but we did it anyway uh, because we want you to get the most possible things out of this book. Pastor Daniel's been taking us through this and it's just wonderful. I don't know when we'll finish it, if we'll finish it, but God is doing great things in the midst of it. And so read ahead and uh, read through the book. Uh, We've already been in the book Acts a while, so you should have read it through twice or maybe even three times already. What was that? Read the Word of God. It's life. It's food for our souls. It's wonderful things. So we're going to talk about the Gentile Pentecost today because that's what's going on in chapter number 10. It starts with Cornelius. And so I'm going to go through Cornelius. Then we're going to move to Peter. and We're going to move to what the Holy Spirit does in the midst of this. But he brings things together in a wonderful way in this particular book. Uh, And this chapter, it probably is about five, six, or maybe even seven years after the first pouring out of the Pentecost upon the disciples. And so there's some time that goes through here. And so the Jewish people have been blessed by receiving the Holy Spirit and moving in the Spirit of God, and they've been out ministering and bringing other Jewish people into the family of God. And chapter number 10 includes the Gentiles. How many are excited about that? Amen. That, that's us. <laughs> We're far removed from that, but, but he loves all of his creation. And so in his perfect timing, he looked down from heaven and he chose Cornelius, and uh, he starts working in him. If you go back to chapter 10, verse number 1, there, now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all of his household, and he gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. So here's a man that wasn't even born again. He's a centurion. He's over a hundred different men in the Roman army, and he takes time every day to pray before God, to look to God. And so when I think God was looking down on earth, what Gentile can I find? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to bring this wonderful experience to pass. I think, gotta be Cornelius. Gotta be. And so he chose him. If you look on down in, in uh, verse number four, well, let's read verse three as well. And in the ninth hour of that day, he certainly, he clearly saw a vision from the angel who had just come in and said to him, he announced his name Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being it says, much alarmed. 
When you see an angel, you don't just say, hi. You know, it, it does something different in your spirit. You, you're, something strange is going on here. How many have ever seen an angel? Anybody here seen an angel? A little more light in the room and I can see everybody, but I don't see any hands. So we haven't had encounters like Cornelius. Thank you. All right, we got one on the front row, two. All right, we're gaining traction here. There's another one, oh, two of them over there. <clears throat> There's more people that have seen angels than you think. <laughs> they are real creatures. And we each one, I think the Bible says we have a personal angel that goes with us, that watches over us, that takes care of us. Uh, and I learned that a long time before I ever became a Christian, that God loves you and is protecting you whether you know him or not, and he has a plan for each one of our lives. To me, that's just amazing, absolutely amazing. God created each one of us in his likeness and image, and so Cornelius uh, prayed, and it says there, after he was alarmed, it says, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Your prayers and your alms have ascended before as a memorial before God. And if you look over in verse number 30, this is where Cornelius is now talking to Peter. And he says, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. So God's looking down upon Cornelius and said, Something good has happened to you because God is honoring you. <clears throat> and so, I don't know what Cornelius prayed. We don't have his prayer here. I don't know if he's asking God for things or glorifying God or praising God like what we just sang. But in the midst of this, there's a couple of scriptures I'd like to share with you. One is Jeremiah 33.3 that many, many of you may have memorized and know it. It says, call unto me. And I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. That's our God. When we seek after, after him, the word of God says that he is able to exceedingly do abundantly above and beyond anything that we might think or ask. I don't know about your imagination, but I can imagine a lot of things that God can do. And he goes beyond that, that he shows us great and amazing name. That's what's happening here to Cornelius. Another verse, it says in Matthew 6, it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And so here there's not prayers being made to ask God to do something, but his prayer is just submitting yourself to God and God says, I'm going to show you something you don't know. I'm going to give you something you never even asked for. That's God. He wants to go over and above what we think that he should do. He takes better care of us than we can think about taking care of ourselves. He shares better things with us than what we can ask him for. I love the verse, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. <clears throat> it says that if we pray to God, it says, pray unto him. And you shall uh, receive from him. And it goes beyond that and says he's able to go further than what you ask. If you confess your sins before God, God is faithful and just 
to forgive your sins. That's where I used to stop. And then one day he showed me, read the rest of the verse. <laughs> he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. Cleanse from all unrighteousness? I didn't think that was possible. I know what I did. I was saved when I was 17, and I'd already found a bunch of stuff to get in trouble with. I don't know about you, but all of sin that comes short of the glory of God, and I fit that, and God reminded me that he could not only forgive me what I could remember, but he can go beyond that and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. We serve an amazing, amazing God. And so here <clears throat> we have him praying. Here we also have him giving alms, meaning that he gave to the poor Jews and, and two other people as well, people that needed help. And uh, the scripture says in Matthew chapter number six, it says, when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so here's some direction about giving alms to people. And I've seen this happen many times. I've, I've been involved in some of that myself where it's just a pleasure to help somebody. You ever been in the grocery store and somebody's in front of you and, and they're checking out and, and uh, I saw this one lady checking out. Cash register came up with a certain amount and she said, ah, I don't have quite that much money and so I need to put this aside and this aside. She was trying to balance it out. I said, no, 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 keep those things and I'll help you. That doesn't sound very secretive, does it? But it's, it's giving when the opportunity is there. And there's so many opportunities around us to bless people and to help us. And Cornelius found a bunch of people and if your eyes are open, your ears are open, you'll find a bunch of people too. Amen. And it doesn't help to give. Give and it shall be given, given to you. And... I'm sure that God looked down and said, he not only prays, he didn't know what he's praying about, but he's praying, uh, and he's giving, he's sharing what he has with others. And because he does that, I'm going to do something special in his life, all of his friends, all of his relatives. And uh, so he called some people together. He called a couple of his attendants, and he also called another devout soldier, the three of them, and he sent them to Peter explaining what the angel had told to him and off they go they told him exactly where to go where the man was I'm amazed that God knows where everybody is you know that he knows where you are no matter where you are and he gave directions to Cornelius and to send these three men to go and find him and so uh, we find that in verse 32 and verse 33 here it says therefore he said send to Joppa uh, and invites uh, Simon who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the home of Simon, the tanner by the sea. So I sent, you, so I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here, present before God, to hear all that you have commanded, been commanded by the Lord. Here is a commander of 100 men. You see him kind of as a strong man? I, I do. <laughs> and he sent him out <clears throat> to ask Peter to come and tell him all that God had commanded him. The scripture is full of all kinds of commands. 
And the scripture tells us what those commands are. Uh, he, he explains that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. He explains that, that he has given us great things to follow. Here's one of the commands. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is Matthew. We're sending out the disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe and the King James Version says, obey. How many like to be told what to do? That's what I thought. Ah, got one. Most people don't like to be told what to do. But God comes to tell us what to do. And so you're in the wrong place this morning if you don't like to be told what to do. Because his word tells you what to do. It goes on and says, teaching them to obey or observe all that I commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age his commands are what he's worked in my life when I've received his commands and I've yielded to them then that's what I have to share with you I don't have anything else to, to explain except God commanded me to do this and therefore I've experienced the goodness of God so if you'll follow what he commanded does that make sense he didn't send them out to just go tell them whatever you want to tell them. No. I've given you commands to follow. And as you follow that, you have a testimony. You have something good to share with somebody else. <clears throat> How many commands are in the Old Testament? There you go. Okay, got to be at least 10 because that's the law. And the Jewish people then added a bunch more to that as to what they should do. How many commands are in the New Testament? Two. All right, you know them, right? Love the Lord thy God, and then love others as yourself. Well, now if we stop there, that would be okay. But if you read the scriptures, you'll find the New Testament is filled with commands. Let me demonstrate. Ephesians chapter number 5. We could go back to chapter 4 because there's a bunch there. <clears throat> Once he gives instruction in the first part of the book, then he gives commands and directions in the second part. Of every epistle, that's the way they're written. <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. That sound like a suggestion? I don't think so. Be imitators of God. Wait a minute. I can imitate God? I don't know if you've seen the book Imitation of Christ. Great book. How to follow God in who he is and what he does. We're supposed to come along and do the same thing. Remember the, the apostles? He said, now I want you to go out and do all of the things that I've been doing. I would have been there. I would have said, I don't think that's possible. He said, no, I give you the same authority as I have. Go and do what I've done. Verse number two, walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice which is a fragrant aroma unto God. That sound like a suggestion? Work with me here. No, that's, an, that's a command. Verse 3, but immortality and impurity, immorality and impurity or greed must not even be named among you shouldn't even be named in the church 
Verse number four, and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Hmm. I remember God speaking that word to me. Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words. Verse 11, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Instead, even expose them. How many like exposing other people's sin? Not your own, but other people's. Not good, but the scripture tells us that we ought to have the kind of relationship one with another that we can freely talk to each other. If you see somebody that's struggling, going through a problem, is it sinful not to talk to them and say, hey, brother, what are you doing? Is this, is this something that God has freed you to do? Wow, that's a challenge, isn't it? All right, verse 15, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Verse 16, making the most of your time because the days are evil. You know, that's true. How do you take care of your time? What do you do with it? Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many give thanks for everything? One, two, three, okay, numbers are mounting here. Uh, that's the scripture. It, verse 20, 21 says, and be subject to one another uh, in the fear of Christ. Then it goes on. It says, wives, be subject to your husbands. Selah. <laughs> Think about that. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and laid his life down for her. Women, where are you? Somebody ought to say amen there. She's not married yet, but she's looking forward to that. <laughs> there are commands in Scripture, and if you read it, you don't just read it and gloss over it and say, that, that was a nice, nice devotional. No. What does God want you to do with this? How does he want you to live? How does he want you to conduct your life before other people around you? Oh, it's amazing. You have some note paper that you were given when you came in. And maybe I'll say something today that will speak to you, but let me tell you what we pray. Pastor Daniel does as Pastor Sal does, as I do, as Edwin does. Everybody that speaks prays and says, God, I know it's not my words. And so while I'm speaking, would you speak to the hearts of the people? Would you touch their hearts? Would you, would you communicate something that you want to communicate today? Write those things down. I'm going to tell you what to do with it later, but don't, don't miss it. God is saying something very important. Why are we here? Have a fun time worshiping God? Yeah, that's great. How does he want us to walk out these doors? The Bible says, from glory to glory, he's changing us. Hallelujah. Question, how did he change you last week? Going forward from today, what's he going to do in changing you this coming week? We need to think about these things or else we'll never do them. It's just that in coming to church and listening to a sermon and having fun with worship and seeing some friends and going home. Not going to happen that way. It's when we become serious about the things of God. Cornelius was a serious person.
He was praying. And God saw that he was praying. He was giving. And God says, that's a great thing. That's, that's, that's my heart, is to take care of other people. Well, that's Cornelius. So let's go move on to Peter. Peter's perspective. He's been a Christian now for these last seven years. He walked with Jesus the previous three years. Made a lot of mistakes those first years walking with Jesus, and Jesus often had to correct him and put him back in line. And uh, now he uh, is experiencing something that uh, he says uh, here in, in uh, verse number nine. On the next day, as they were on their way, these three that, that Corlinus sent and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry. Maybe you'll get hungry before the service is over. And was desiring to eat, but while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. He was so hungry that he was just overcome. When he was overcome, interestingly enough, <clears throat> it says that he saw a vision. The vision was there, there was a sheet coming down out of heaven, and it was filled with unclean animals. And even though he's hungry, he says, no, there's no way I'm going to touch these things. They're unclean, unholy, and I made a vow that I'll never do that as a Jewish man. You just didn't get involved in that stuff. And it happens three times over. The sheet is there, and God says something very important. He says, don't call unclean that which I call clean. So today, according to that and a few other scriptures, you can eat anything. Some of the stuff I still won't eat because it's ugly and it, I, I, can't, I can't imagine eating it. But people do. Uh, and it's okay, I guess. God says, don't call any. Well, Peter saw this. He heard this. And what am I going to do with this? It says he was perplexed, meaning he didn't know what this vision was for. Why is God saying this? Why is God doing this? He said, I, I'm sure it's God, but I don't like this. Not ring the bell with anybody? God says something to you and you don't like it? You're going in the grocery store and you see somebody and God says, why don't you go talk to them about who I am? Oh, I don't know who they are. I don't know why I would do that. Well, if God said that to you, he's probably already prepared that other person for the encounter that you're to have with that person. So go ahead and step out in faith, and God will meet you. That's what he's doing here. Peter wasn't expecting these guys. The next thing he hears is that there are three men coming to see you. Three men, goodness gracious. So he goes downstairs, and sure enough, there's three men looking to see him. God prepares us. I mean, Pastor Sal said last, last week, he said, if God tells you to do something through somebody else and he hasn't told you yet, well, then that may be suspect. Because when God tells somebody to talk to you, give you a word, God's already told you about that too. And so he's connecting things here. I love how God connects things. I mean, he, he directs this through the whole experience that they're having. And when Peter saw them and heard that he was looking for them, he says, come in and spend the night. Now, I don't know if all three of these guys were Jewish people, but a Gentile, Gentile wasn't welcome in a Jewish home. They were separated, even Christians. Talk about racism. There was racism in the early church. 
Oh, no, how could that be? Because they had been taught a certain way. And sometimes we don't change just because we become Christians, just because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We may have some objections to some other people. Well, God's going to wipe that out. And if you came here as a racist today, you're in trouble. <laughs> because that isn't how God looks at people. He created everybody. And he created them equally in his image and in his sight. And so we need to be open to whatever God calls us to do with whatever people he calls us to do. So Peter went in to pray, became hungry, fell into a trance, saw a vision of these animals. Peter was perplexed, it says. Three men are looking for you. Go accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them. God says, this is what I'm doing. Back in 19 and verse 20, that's what's going on here. And so Peter welcomes them. He comes into the house. And he, the next day, they get up. I don't know if he prayed that night or said, God, what kind of a message do I have here? What am I going to say to them? And uh, he simply asked them, what did you come for? What's the problem? And so it says down in verse 34, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. You know, he could have said, I had this amazing vision yesterday. God showed me a wonderful vision. He didn't even mention the vision. I mean, that was an amazing thing. But he didn't talk about the vision. He says, I now know something that I didn't know before. What God has called clean and holy, don't call unclean and unholy. That's what he got from the vision. But he didn't say, I got this beautiful vision from God. Sometimes we get carried away with some of the things that we see. And it's really not helpful for this situation. And so he goes on and says here, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. He says every nation. I mean, here are a few people, and he says, it's not only these people, it's not only this Gentile, but it's everybody in the whole world. You know, it's interesting, <laughs> in the Great Commission, God sent them out into all of the nations. Even in the Old Testament, if you read it carefully, the Jewish people were to go into all of the nations and make God known. Did they ever do that? No, they didn't. Here we are, born-again believers, and he tells us, go into all of the nations and make him known. Are we doing that? I'll tell you, we live in a multicultural situation, so you have opportunity to talk to all kinds of people every day. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to go overseas to do that. You can do it right here because he brings them in your pathway. Grace Point is filled with at least 70 different nationalities. I think that's one of the greatest testimonies. As uh, Pastor Sal said before, we're not a museum. <laughs> we're filled with life, life from God. He's redeemed us and brought us together. We call each other brothers and sisters because we love one another. That's what he's called us to do. And we express that love day by day, week by week, as we come together to be the family of God. We're all one family. Isn't that exciting? I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but it's going to be greater than Grace Point. It really is.
Sometimes I try to imagine what heaven's going to be like, and I see a little bit of that here, but oh my goodness, the numbers of people in heaven, I don't know if we'll be able to count them, and it really won't matter. It says for the first 30 minutes in heaven, it's going to be silence, because we're going to look around and I don't believe this. And yet we're in heaven. 30 minutes of silence because we're awestruck. I don't know what you think heaven's going to be like, but there's going to be silence for a while. And then I think it's going to explode. The fellowship that we have here is nothing like the fellowship we're going to have there. It's going to be amazing. All of our sins gone. All of our struggles are gone. All of our problems are gone. Can you imagine that? It's hard because we're here every day walking through life. But heaven's a little bit greater than that. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It goes on here and he's explaining things and he's giving the, he's giving the gospel. Verse 36 says, The word which he sent to the sons of Israel preaching a peace through the name of Jesus Christ. And then he kind of stops. He's Lord of all. He's Lord of all. You yourselves know the things which took place throughout all Judea, stating, uh, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all these things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted him that he would become visible, not to all of the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And then it says in verse 42, and he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him, all of the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Now on the day of Pentecost, his sermon was much longer than that. But here's the same gospel wrapped up in just a few verses about who Jesus is, what he did, how that he went to the cross, paid for our sins, and when we put our faith in him, we're forgiven our sins. This is Peter's part. He preached a wonderful sermon of the gospel. When he comes to that place, then he's interrupted. He's interrupted by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing what happens here. And it says then in the next verse, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. I don't know if there were 120 people could fit in Cornelius' house, but he had all of his relatives there. In my house, that's a lot. Uh, and then his friends as well. So it could have been 50, 60, 70, maybe it's 120, I don't know. But all the people in the house begin to experience something special. All of them, it says, 
were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Wow. Now I think these six guys, we find that out in the next chapter that there were six of them. When Peter says, I'm, I'm going to go to the house of Cornelius, I think his Jewish friend said, we better go with you. This isn't normal. This isn't something that we should do. In fact, when Peter first walked into the house, he said, let me just announce to you that it's against the law for me to be here. It, it just isn't right. And so he had six friends with him, and those six friends came to check out what was happening. And when they checked out that the Holy Spirit fell upon all of those Gentiles, they were amazed. They're experiencing the same thing that we did several years ago. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They, they, all of them. And let me tell you, all means all. And he wants to fill every one of us with the Holy Spirit. That's God's plan. That we would be given a gift of prayer in other languages and that we would exalt God in the midst of all of that. I know that may be troublesome for some. It was for me when I first heard that. and said, I don't know, these Pentecostal people are a little nuts. <laughs> you know, they, they get carried away sometimes. And uh, I don't know if that is truly going to happen. And then I started praying, God, if you want to fill me with the Holy Spirit, that's fine with me. And one night at camp, I thought that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I had an experience with God that was wonderful. And then the next day, the man who was preaching said, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to speak in other, tang in other tongues. I said, oh, goodness. I didn't do that. So now I'm stuck. And when I got home, I went to talk to my pastor, and he was right there praying with us. And I said, you know, at camp, I thought I was filled with the Holy Spirit, but I didn't speak in other languages, and I'm troubled. I, I didn't do that. And he says, well, I saw your lips stammering. Yeah, but that's not the same thing. He says, well, continue to pray. I continue to pray for weeks. In fact, that same evangelist that was at camp came to our church Started on Tuesday night, went all the way through Sunday. And every night, I was at the altar for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, saying, God, here I am, like what we're saying here today. How do we do this? I didn't know how. On the last day, on Sunday night, the evangelist changed his altar call. And he says, all right, here's what we're going to do. Tonight, only those that are going to receive the Holy Spirit, you come and pray. I got up out of my seat. I didn't go to the altar. I went to where the choir always sings. I can't even explain that. But when my knees had hit the carpet, touched the carpet that night, strange words were coming out of my mouth. And I said, oh, my goodness. Is this me or is this God? <laughs> And other strange words kept coming. I said, oh, it must be God. And I didn't learn these things, but he gave me a language to speak to him.
a prayer language that I'd sought for a long time now. God was doing something fresh and new in my life. Didn't happen immediately. You know, I've seen different people receive the Holy Spirit while people are worshiping, like when we sang today. I've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit while we're just worshiping God. Other people I know that when they were at home just doing devotions, something happened in, in their prayer life and, and they began <laughs> to speak in other tongues all by themselves. I had one young man come to me one time when I was ministering in, in uh, New Jersey and he came forward at the end of the service. He said, I'd like for you to pray for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'd like to take a week to prepare myself. <laughs> okay, so he went away. Next week after the sermon was over, he was the first one that came up and uh, he said, I'm ready. I said, wonderful. And I went to lay my hands on his head, which the scripture talks about, so I'm following directions. And as I touched his head, he began to pray this unknown language to me that I knew he didn't learn. And I said, okay. And I went ahead and prayed for him anyway. But he was filled with the Spirit before I even touched him. He was ready. He was ready to receive. And here these people with Cornelius are ready to receive whatever God had for them. Amazing connection how God put this together. And from here, the Gentile world exploded. In fact, sometimes Paul would go to a place and he would go to the synagogue first and share the gospel, and sometimes he'd be thrown out. No, we don't want to hear that message. He would go next door and find some Gentiles, and he would share the gospel, and they would respond to him. And it goes on and on and on, and the gospel just spread all over the world. Amazing things happen when God's in control and we're not. And so they, they said, then Paul comes up and he says, Surely, verse 47, no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can they? And so here everything's mixed up. If you read from, from the end of the presentation that he made there in Acts chapter number 2, they said, what must we do to be saved? And he says, well, number one, repent of your sins, okay? And number two, get baptized in water. And number three, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, God messes that all up. They're filled with the Holy Spirit to begin with. And so Paul says, I guess we ought to baptize these guys, right? And he's talking to a centurion that orders a hundred people who has his life pretty well together, but now he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he ordered them to be baptized. In verse 48, and he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter ordered a centurion to get baptized. Now it was announced before that we're going to have a baptism at the end of the month. So we have class at the end of this service today over here in front of the baptism and often we just say if you'd like to get baptized join the class well I'm going to be a little stronger I'm ordering you people don't like to be ordered right that's what he did to that centurion and all of his friends and his relatives he says I order you to be baptized today so if you're not signed up to be the class, that's okay. Hear the word of the Lord. I ordered you, if you know Jesus Christ, you haven't been baptized, join the class today. Amen. Amen. 
Now, these people that have been baptized are all excited. <laughs> but you that haven't made that choice yet, <laughs> let me encourage you, make the choice. God is with you. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, you're never going to be perfect. Sorry to tell you, until you see Jesus. And then things are going to change and we're going to be different. Oh, it's a wonderful time. I don't know if you anticipate that, but I'm getting older and I anticipate that almost every day. I don't know when my time's going to be up, but I do a lot of funerals. And I look and say, I'm going to be there soon. But I'm really not going to be there. I'm going to be there. Oh, what a great day that's going to be. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what God is doing here. And he's saying that all of us can come into this experience because he's done this with Cornelius and Peter. Both of them didn't know what was going on, but they came together with the word of the Lord and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Wonderful things began to happen. Let me share with you the last phrase before we worship. It says there in that last phrase of this chapter, then they ask him to stay on for a few days. They ask him to stay on for a few days. When God speaks to you, whether it's in your private devotions or while Pastor Daniel's preaching, uh, while we're worshiping, and you take a note of what God is saying to you, don't leave that word. For the next few days, go over that thing over and over. I know many times when we leave this room and we get to the parking lot, we've already forgot what God said to us. Don't let that happen. Ask him to stay with you. Ask that revelation to be there so you can go over it and you can allow God to work that in your life. That's what they did. So Cornelius and all of his house had the next few days as a retreat with Peter and these six amazing Jewish people that didn't know what was happening. <laughs> and they shared a lot of things together and they grew in the things of God so they could be solid with all that God had prepared for them. God is amazing. He is a good God. He sometimes surprises us. Sometimes we don't know what's going on. But that's okay, because he does. And he'll bring you into contact with people, in contact with his Holy Spirit, where you will now be able to say with Peter, now I understand what God was saying and doing. He filled them with the Holy Spirit. Exciting things happen. I'm going to come back and pray for you in a couple of minutes, but let's worship the Lord. Stand with me as we worship him.